Welcome to The Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. The podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Hello, Jonathan. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm uh, feeling good. Uh, really pleased to be uh, joining you. Great. This is Josh Krieger. I'm here with Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney. We are the co-hosts of Edge of NFT. And this is a special episode at Miami Crypto World that will actually re-air as a podcast later. So um, thanks for joining us. Let me turn it over to Ethan now, who will kick off this special uh, discussion with you and podcast episode. Yeah, welcome. Jonathan is uh, a leader in machine learning, uh, complex systems and blockchain technology industries. He's excited by the challenge of deploying decentralized multi-agent systems in smart cities, supply chain and healthcare. He is a builder of successful interdisciplinary teams in software engineering, artificial intelligence, cryptography and economics. It's great to be having this discussion with you today, Jonathan. Yeah, and uh, Jonathan is he is CTO of, of Fetch.ai, which is building uh, an open access tokenized decentralized machine learning network to enable smart infrastructure built around a decentralized digital economy. So and there's a lot of Fetch fans out there who I'm sure are pumped about this. And uh, we're also excited to expose folks that don't know about Fetch AI to what you guys are doing in this space. You guys have been on the podcast before um, around uh, your interesting... Um, Co-Learn Paint. Co-Learn Paint that project. Was cool. Yeah, that so was fun. Yeah, yeah. We got to paint with Emma, who is super cool. And I guess let's just start from the beginning, though. Talk to us about your origin story and how you got involved in Fetch. Oh well, thanks for thanks for inviting me, and yeah, very happy to explain that. I mean, it, so um, I should say that we uh, we sound very sci-fi and like we're doing lots of very cool and exciting things, but what I really want to try and do is explain, you know, in a tangible way how these these things kind of benefit everybody out there. So, and that's that's really the phase we're moving to from being. A kind of re- research orientated and very blue skies kind of protocol to being one that's more out there and, and giving giving people technology that they can touch and feel and use in in the real world so so yeah in terms of my origin yeah i um i started out um with uh do, studying physics and, and maths and i was very much very technically orientated person and uh eventually did a phd in uh, in machine learning um Around that time, I was really interested in biology and kind of the origin of life. I think one of the I really like big questions, and the big question I was looking at is, you know, what the the kind of difference between um, sort of inanimate matter and and life really was. And I think I looked at that in many different ways, from you know how proteins folded and how sort of complex systems evolved and how complex systems behaved. Uh, and I used a lot of tools from machine learning and also I uh, did also a lot of software engineering, so I was really interested in uh, doing distributed compute and building big simulations of these kind of systems. Um, and then kind of when blockchain came around and, and you know, the opportunity to kind of, which are extremely complicated systems. So similar to life, what you have is you have cryptography and you have economics and you have distributed system. You put them all together and you get something that magical, really, something that's kind of different to all of those things on their own. 
And I really love that feature of it. And it really, really combines uh, a lot of my background and is, as, as you guys, I'm sure, also agree, you know, su such an exciting and growing area. Yeah, yeah. So so when did um, you get involved in Fetch? Were you, were you one of the original founders or did you come into the mix that soon thereafter? I wasn't a founder, but I joined, I think I was number employee number three or something like that. And I think, you know, back back then we had some very crazy ideas. And uh, I, yeah, I mean, I hopefully provided some, um, or what's the word, uh, sort of a, a, um, a sense, sense of, uh, well, what's common sense, I guess. And um, obviously everything's moving so fast and you, you, there's so much to learn, but you know, we're really, really moving on nowadays. It's a, uh, I think it's really interesting that you mentioned your biology and math background. And, and we, we've come up with it. We discovered this term um, through a friend of ours called edge effect, which is um, something we're using to name some of our events coming up next year. And it's really about this biological convergence of, of different uh, landscapes and, and sort of how they create new opportunities. And I think that's a good description for what's happening with Web3 and, and what you all are trying to do in terms of bringing all these interesting technologies together. Yeah, I mean, for us, I was going to say AI in particular, right? Disruptive in so many different categories, so many different industries, uh, obviously major uh, elements in, in the realm of crypto, in the realm of NFT. You know, we're curious, where do you see on your roadmap the opportunity to disrupt industries? How wide of a, of, a, of a net do you think you can cast with fetch uh, well i mean it's it, i mean the sky sky is kind of the limit i think what um i mean there's two, so what i should clarify is that there's kind of two branches of fetch so one branch is really um around machine learning and around the idea that um because what we see is obviously with the, the kind of web two paradigm you see you know very large uh organizations that kind of own platform dominance uh, and that's all really about controlling large, amount, large amounts of data. And, you know, it, it's really socially unacceptable for, for one party to kind of have that much power over their users and, and the way the users interact with each other. Um, and a lot of what Fetch does is about breaking down those kind of platform and data monopolies. Um, and then the second side of things is really about, which is kind of related, is the idea of having um, very smart, decentralized, multi-agent systems and basically you put those guys together and you combine them in different ways and you can get kind of interesting emergent behavior and you can solve problems that look really difficult, but you put some simple rules on the agents and, and they go away and they solve those problems for you. So there's kind of two, two different areas. Um, I would say, yeah. And I think, I think obviously what, what we find uh, for, for, for the, for the automation is that the kind of downside a little bit of crypto at the moment is that, you know, there's an abundance of protocols, there's an abundance of wallets. It's, it's a relatively complicated space to get, get a grips with. And, you know, the user experience isn't brilliant at the moment, I think for, for non-technical people. Uh, and one of the things we can do with, with the automation is, uh, really hide a lot of that complexity. So the agent is, is doing a lot of those things for you. Uh, and, and effectively making the process much smoother and much safer for everybody. Because obviously, I mean, we've all heard terrible stories about people's passphrase getting uh, getting hacked or minting an NFT in the wrong contract. And, you know, you know, all of those things go wrong. But what we can do with agents is one of the things we can do is to make 
that whole process much safer. Very cool. Yeah, there's sort of uh, the there's a lot of creativity in the NFT space, you know, to be seen, and, and we see that, of course, in the intersection of AI as well. Um, you know, we brought someone from Fetch on. Uh, to the podcast to demonstrate color and paint. Um, as we mentioned earlier, that was really a, a beautiful collaboration. Also a little bit of an edge effect, right, between the art world and the AI world and the tech world. Um, I'm curious, like, what you have what you feel that you've learned um, from a project like color and paint and um, the intersection of NFTs and AI and where you might go from the future in the future, given the experiences that you had with that project? Uh, well, I think I think what what happened, what what really happens, what, which I think is nice and the sort of magical fe- feature about these protocols is that they're really. I mean, we talk a lot about technology, but ultimately, at the at the heart of all of these things is people. And as soon as you combine the technology with people, you get you know surprising and interesting things. So, I mean, just to recap, what Colon Paint is, it's a kind of um, collaborative uh platform for for building artwork with with other people um and you know we we to begin with we, we built something very simple which is that everybody could work together and essentially use a, a generative network to make artwork uh and then essentially choose the artwork that they thought you know collectively which worked best for them and then the community then own that artwork and and could benefit from the sale of it well you said simple but i want to give you a shout out because that's a phenomenal feat to to do i mean people have talked about how nfts need to be um more collaborative and where people are getting inspired by each other creating art together and it's very difficult to do that on the blockchain and in from a from a creation perspective and from a royalty perspective, and, and you guys took a major step forward there. So um, while it may have been a simple execution, um, it's a very sophisticated advancement that I want to give you all a shout out for uh, leading. Well, thank you. Uh, I guess I guess uh, I guess our, our our eyes are always on the horizon and what's next. <laughs> so yeah, so thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it, it I think the ideas that it embodies are, are fantastic. I think what what we're really interested in is is kind of generalizing that kind of shared ownership so um but also on the technology side making things sort of modular and reusable so um what we're thinking is that um yes we want to have a system that that can can train machine learning models in a distributed way so in theory you could apply that for doing recommendation algorithms like people do at uh, social media companies but at the same time, you could also use it for collaborating on artwork. And, and what we're really thinking would be really exciting is if you could create, um, I mean, and, and what we what we definitely need is collaborations with artists to do this, is um, essentially artists working together and coming up with ideas and sharing those. Uh, but then they can also share the ideas with, with the collectors and the people who are interested in it. And they can all have a stake in ownership of those things. So what what we're really interested in doing, and if there's anybody out there who's interested, please get in touch. If there's anybody who's interested in using our Colon platform who has a background in art and NFTs, you know, we're very happy to support people uh, building these kind of applications using the, the core technology that we're building. So let's transition for a moment into the world of, of DeFi. Uh, we have some specific questions there, but but can you start us off by sort of, talking a little bit more 
about how AI, NFTs, DeFi all come together in terms of formulating Fetch's view in, in terms of pioneering these technologies moving forward? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, so I think uh, there's there's a few different ways you could think about this. So, um, so I mean, one of the things about DeFi is that we all we all want to optimize our yield and we all want to be protected against, you know, extreme events happening. But although, you know, we're all uh, very internet native, I mean, we want to take a break from it sometimes. So having uh, sort of automated systems that that do some of that, uh, you know, either yield optimization or stra- executing strategies for you is something that's that's kind of very useful. Um, in terms of what we, the way we're architecting it, it's it's designed to be decentralized. So you know, you it's still your keys. So in terms of what the agents can do, you're defining it. You're on, on in control at all times. Um, you also have uh, security such that if if the agents don't act, execute in the way they should or they go down, then you, you you have insurance and and some recompense for that. So I mean, obviously that that's a, a relatively complicated uh, piece of technology, and I'm sure there'll be lots of competition, lots of innovation in that area. Um, for NFTs specifically, I mean, I think um, you know you might have an interest in a particular NFT. You want to buy it at the right price. You want to know how the price is changing. You might want a, a prediction of um, you know based on its traits and its trading history what the what a good price to pay is. And those are all things that, um, you know, this kind of uh, basically wallet analytics and uh, automation can kind of do for people. There's some crypto punk and um, board ape owners out there that are saying, I will give you $10,000 for that immediately. Um, that, that, I mean, that, that seems like very, very valuable stuff that, that could be done here that, that really uh, gets me excited about, about what's, what's possible because the NFT market is so dynamic and everyone's looking for that alpha edge on making those decisions. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, so that's definitely on the roadmap. And uh, given, given you guys have got me excited about that possibility, I'll, I'll go and maybe accelerate that. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I think it, it's one of those things that um, obviously you can get a feel for it, but um, you know, we know what traits are valuable. We know we, the machine, you know, machine learning is uh, this kind of problem where you have different kind of discrete characteristics. Uh, we know from medical diagnosis and other fields that humans are actually usually quite bad at it, although there may be some alpha in, in being a real expert in in picking the right NFT. Uh, but it's definitely a sort that it seems. From me uh, looking at it, like it's the sort of thing where machine learning automation can provide a lot of value. And you guys are you're impacting so many different areas. And I wanted to shift gears just a smidge and ask you about autonomous economic agents. And if you could explain to our listeners what it is, why it's important, and and how it's driving things forward. Well, so I mean, generally speaking, you we have all of these problems, and and, and what 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 we would do is specify, you know, a kind of top down architecture, and this has happened in digital transformation in lots of places. Uh, it happened in the in the UK with the health service. Somebody came in and and said, okay, we're going to top down rearchitect all of these things. Um, what you find is that typically because um, there are unseen complications and because um, there's a single point of failure. Things are kind of centralized. Um, quite often they fail. Uh, also, but if you if you have a system where you potentially have simpler entities, which uh, uh, have 
have roles associated with them. They can talk to each other. They have uh, you can deploy them in such a way that you're kind of building the system from the bottom up. Uh, and then you can uh, essentially solve problems like uh, data integration or um, the or I mean, a classic one we think about in DeFi a lot is the Oracle problem. Uh, how can you aggregate information from many parties really quickly? Well, you know, multi-agent systems are really good for doing that. And you, they can also do much smarter things rather than just pulling data from an API. They can be deployed on a on a drone or, or something else such that they can give you very, very high resolution information. So so I'd say that that's the kind of uh, vision for how things work. I mean, obviously, what we're what we're looking at doing is providing automation tools for people in DeFi and kind of bridging that gap between the, you know, the, the potential and what people can do today. That makes a ton of sense. Um, I want to know, uh, we talked a little bit about the, the, the DeFi agents and I want to know if you're using AI and DeFi agents, would that potentially increase or uh, stabilize market volatility? Um, well, it's a good question. What so that yeah, I mean, this is a sort of effect of what when you combine lots of simple units together in a complex system. So sometimes it's difficult to predict. I mean, I think, I think, um, and this may be a, a something that crops up in the future is how you uh, maintain sort of stability of crypto systems, especially as things as the friction goes down, the throughput goes up. Um, I think um, as a user, what they can definitely do is 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 secure your funds such that um, you know your, the the losses that you have are bounded. Um, and I think that I mean, in terms of well, I mean, we have to think a bit about product market fit at the moment. Everybody in DeFi is all about yield, uh, but I think um, it, it definitely can be used to provide those kind of. Um, um, I guess it's kind of. Um, seat belts uh, in terms of your portfolio or in terms of the way that your your protocol behaves yeah i mean one thing that that makes me the topic just generally makes me think of is is all these DAOs and and governance systems that are being created and you know we talk about tokenomics of course just you know in a in a token right that that a company might have or that might be associated with some utility uh but at the same time uh, particularly in governance, it's very interesting, and maybe there's some some places to apply AI there, uh, because clearly, you know, it takes a lot of tweaking, and I think it's been been done manually mostly to this point forward. It'd be interesting to see if you a- apply AI approach, maybe some game theory to that, um, and come up with some interesting answers how you can integrate people through a tokenomic system, uh, maybe with an, an, even an NFTs involved in that. Um, that just incentivizes the good of everyone in the system or the good of the system's goals. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those. Um, I mean, I would definitely class that as a as a branch of AI. Is is, I mean, we. I mean, it's. Um, we, we've worked quite a lot with the uh, economics faculty at Cambridge University, and what they're really interested in is this concept of mechanism design, which is uh, basically making a game such that all the players uh, play nicely and and end up with. Um, uh, essentially different equilibria that are beneficial for everybody. Um, and we, we have integrated some of those concepts in the design of different pieces of the protocol. Um, so, for example, if you, if you think about um, pricing of, uh, of a transaction, or so, I mean, if we think about the specifically about the DeFi situation, 
um, you might have a trade and you might have um, different options in terms of the way you do you do the trade trade so you might route it through different pools or different networks um, and one of the things that we 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 worked on in the past is designing a kind of um, incentives for a kind of routing protocol that make that work really well for everybody so those are the sort of uh, longer term things that we're thinking about but it's definitely i think you're on the right track it's um it's super exciting and we kind of only really scratched the surface with uh, with those ideas and what's what's really fantastic about these protocols is that you know you can design it on paper and then you can implement it in code tomorrow and uh and see how it works you know we've been having a lot of conversations lately around play to earn gaming and Star Atlas, we did an interview with yesterday that will will air Michael Wagner. We've talked to Sarah at Alien Worlds. Incredible project. And I don't know if this is off topic or not, but it feels like there is an element of AI around predictive models of how to make these types of environments more successful, um, where they can flourish more. Um, is is Are you guys thinking about play to earth gaming at all? Um, it's not something uh, that we're working on at the moment, but I agree with you. It's a, it's a great opportunity. So I think, um, I mean, if you look at the kind of big AI companies like DeepMind is one that we obviously have a, an association with, they're definitely very interested in these these concepts of, of also, I mean, I guess in that case, you have an environment uh, that is kind of rewarding for the players as well as rules that are also rewarding. Um, yeah, so I think... I think you could probably um, try and quantify that and, and design use use AI and uh, use some of the tools of game theory to to build those kind of uh, games. I'm sure it's a it sounds like a great idea. I'm, I don't know if anybody's doing it. I'm not aware, but it is a great idea. Yeah, I don't know, but but uh, you know we're constantly uh, fascinated with the the impact that Play to Earn has has had um, so far, and it, it's really just scratching the surface, but completely shifting the the landscape of economies under our feet. And uh, so we're always uh, curious as to what other applications might um, might apply there. Um, we would like to know though a little bit more about uh, what's next. For fetch.ai, what's on your roadmap? What can you share for the rest of this year heading into 2022? Uh, well, so I mean, we uh, so we we have various automations for the for the DeFi agent and uh, NFT and uh, uh, DeFi uh, asset management is definitely one aspect of it. Um, we also have a fairly major network upgrade starting at the beginning of 2022. Uh, and as I said before, I think what we have this now, we have we're starting to have this system for decentralized collective learning, decentralized machine learning. And what we're really excited about is uh, that the next phase is really going to be about uh, onboarding other projects in in different verticals who can really push that in 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 customizing it for those verticals. So uh, one example I mentioned was the. Um, the sort of collaborative artwork generation and, and NFTs. Potentially, you could design that in many different ways and potentially you could support many projects doing that. Um, we could potentially also support people uh, deploying agents in, in gaming environments. So that's another thing that I think is, is very exciting. And then I would say also, uh, Fetch, we've historically been really interested in in making making blockchain and crypto accessible to sort of legacy industries, uh, 
So we worked a lot with um, with uh, Bosch and different other automotive companies in Germany. So um, we're pushing that collaboration forward. And what we're really seeing is that there's really huge interest in industry in this uh, collective learning application. Uh, and we'll see that deployed in, in multiple different industries and also other applications in crypto as well. I, I got to ask, well, first, I have, just have to go back to it because Kohler and Paint was, was so much fun. You've heard us talk about it a few times to all the listeners. If you haven't checked it out, go check it out. You might think some of the things that you would expect from it might be obvious, but it's totally not. It, it's something really, really special. Uh, so so do spend some time looking at that. But, but I did want to try to also elevate you know more of the the collective learning tech and really understand at its core what what is what is the vision there around um collective learning and and what what does it mean like in a in a sentence or two you know for folks that aren't familiar with it yeah so i mean the the general idea that what the way the machine learning works is is that you, you take data and you, you build a machine learning model and it can solve a task for you so we all have um text recognition on our smartphones that does an amazing job, voice recognition, they're all using machine learning systems. Um, the issue is, is that generally speaking, the, the more data you have, the, the better those, those systems work. So what that means is it's, very, it's quite difficult if you're a, a small company or a small individual to kind of get, get involved in that space because you just don't have access to the data. Uh, and also what we're seeing is that the, the concept of uh, massively centralizing the data or uh, a, a model being owned by a single party is also not acceptable. So what, what CoLearner effectively allows you to do is that um, different parties, whether they're different hospitals or different financial institutions, uh, can share data or share, the, the, share features of the data without share, sharing the data itself. So what they can do is work together to build these models uh, that we can build incentives into that so that if you're a, a smaller player, you can get access to, to other parties' data or the benefit of the data. And what's really fantastic about data is that it's not a finite resource. So if I have a data set, everybody in the world can get the benefit of it. And what we're seeing is, is that that is not the case. So one party gets the benefit of the data. So uh, by making that, democratizing that and making that availability there, we, we, we see a huge potential for, uh, you know, massive benefits of AI to be spread uh, across, you know, more companies, more individuals, more countries, um, and really help the automation revolution. I mean, that's, that, that is a revolutionary concept. I mean, we, we, we've been through at least a decade of big tech and big data companies and there's been plenty of scandals and challenges along the way, but ultimately, um, the folks that consolidate the data win, and and the premium cost on top of that data goes up and up and up. The more data they get, so it's it's a vicious cycle, right? And, and breaking that cycle is is really momentous. Um, are there challenges with with getting everyone to play along in terms of choosing what data they're going to share, how they're going to share it, how those standards are going to evolve that that you're sort of facing as you go through this process? I think the the the, the end game is is magnificent. How how do you get there? Yeah, it's a good, great question. So, I mean, I would say, um, I mean, the, the 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 benefit is is huge. Uh, but the challenges are huge as well in the sense that, um, 
you know, you know, so you're doing somebody's doing a computation for you and and potentially giving you a service based on their data. You know, how do you trust that they're giving you good? You know, they're they're not changing the data between that. How do you know that they're not giving you garbage? How do you uh, how do you make sure that it's secure and that somebody can't reverse engineer the data you're holding? So, so I think um, yeah, they're they're not they're not to be minimised. They're huge challenges, I think. But I think. I mean, what what what's fantastic is that the blockchain itself is very very powerful for that because you have, you know, uh, uh, an immutable append only record of everything that's happened. So nobody can say they did something and then not do it. If you see what I mean, you you have that capability. Uh, and I think also, um, you know, if you look at the the technology on the crypto side with things like um, verifiable computation, things like um, I mean, Starks and ZK rollups, the kind of scalability solutions we're seeing, they're hugely powerful for, for, for solving the kind of data interoperability and these kind of multi-stakeholder data problems. So um, what I would say is that there's, there's a, there are a lot of challenges and um, in, in solving it, there's not really a magic bullet as such. What you have to do is you have to combine different play, things together in such a way that you kind of build uh, powerful and useful protocols that people can can benefit from. I mean, you, and you mentioned uh, a number of different use cases, hospitals being one of them, very, very uh, private, sensitive data. I'm curious as to your pitch to those users around privacy. How do you take somebody that maybe isn't as familiar with blockchain or the capabilities of it and convince them that their data is going to remain private? Well, I mean, so they they effectively what you can say is you you can control very precisely um, where the data lives. So it can also always live on your site. So we're never taking it off your site. Um, the other thing is that there are um, there are lots of really powerful techniques. There's a whole field known as differential privacy, and what what that does effectively is that um, when you're training the model, you add you, you modify the the training such that you add noise, and what that stops somebody from doing is taking your data set and re- reverse engineering things. So what we can do, and and it's quite a mature field, so we can say to the hospitals, one, you have complete control of it. You have you, you have very good um, analytics on in terms of what's happened to, to the the data on your site and what it's been used for, um, and uh, yeah, I, I think I think obviously things can never be perfectly secure, but you can give them very very strong guarantees about um, about the privacy about how much privacy is, is is ensured for the data sets that they're holding. But fundamentally, the main thing is that they. Um, they 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 keep control of it and they it stays on their side. Um, one thing that is is also a really important part of this is that obviously the expertise for training these models doesn't necessarily exist between all hundred hospitals. So you might have Johns Hopkins in the US, which is a great hospital for doing research orientated things. They might have the expertise, but the other hospitals might not. Uh, and the nice thing about plugging into this network is that you kind of can share the expertise between all of those different parties, which is another, you know, big benefit. So, yeah, this is fascinating stuff. And it, it, uh, it sort of makes me both excited and not excited to like go back and work on some data like I did during my PhD. <laughs> it's, 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 it's fun to play with data. And I, I especially love visualizing data and, and you're probably working on some interesting things there as well. Um, you know, 
I uh, I'm curious, like when a, if a business or, or somebody who's watching right now, if they want to work with you, or you know, just plug into what you're doing. Uh, what are what are some of the best ways uh, that you've seen that work so far, and that you suggest people um, come in and plug in and work with you? Well, I mean, get in touch with us. I mean, we have our Discord server, uh, so please get in touch. Ask us any questions you might you might want. We're we're just expanding. As I mentioned, it's kind of an ongoing transition from being a, a sort of a technology building technology for ourselves to building it for the whole world. So uh, bear with us, but get in touch with us. Um, we have. Uh, uh, a documentation on our webpage which enables you to effectively download this tool, connect to our test net, uh, use it to solve uh, whatever machine learning problem you're you're interested in. Um, and yeah, and it will be an ongoing and improving uh, user and developer experience over the coming months. You also mentioned briefly, and I don't know how, uh, I guess, pun intended here, deep this runs. You mentioned like having some sort of connection with DeepMind. Is that is that just around sharing data um, or, you know, collaborations? Are there, are there other folks that are working in AI, um, you know, that you're collaborating or working with? And, and how does that work? Well, so uh, Hermione and Toby, who uh, both both founded Fetch, uh, were, were both uh, heavily involved in DeepMind. So the, a lot of the ideas they had in terms of um, artificial life and uh, multi-agent systems, some of them were, were inspired by a lot of the things that DeepMind doing. Um, and in terms of DeepMind's approach, which is based a lot on reinforcement learning and uh, um, um that that kind of multi multi agent uh, sort of approach is definitely very close. I mean, obviously, can't necessarily disclose anything else, but I think um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely lots of links between us uh, and them in terms of what we're interested in. Very cool. Well, we might have a use case, guys, for for this team, right? With our living tree NFT drop coming up, you know, we, we we're calling these NFTs living trees because we've realized that. Um, you know, a lot of what we do in terms of having conversations with folks like yourself is, is growing the ecosystem. And in part of that includes new branches sprouting up from conversations, from ideas, from collaborations. And I got to wonder, is there an AI component here with Fetch that we have to noodle on and maybe um, talk over some drinks virtually or in person at some point in the near future? I think so. I don't know. Ethan developed the uh, the algorithm for the design, so there may be some uh, some elements in there of interest. So. Yeah, maybe your AI can tell me why certain <laughs> why some of my algorithms are better than others. <laughs> and actually, if we do get together for a drink, uh, I, mean, I guess this is kind of... Uh, a little bit of an inside joke, but we just talked with someone from Star Atlas the other day about drinking virtual margaritas. Uh, so we'll have to test that out as well. Exactly. <laughs> Does that, that functionality? But uh, just to take <laughs> Jonathan, just to take a step back, we we always like to ask uh, leaders in the industry like yourself what what else you're excited about. You know, um, with all your free time when you're not working on Fetch twenty hours a day. Um, are there any projects or platforms that stand out to you um, that might be game changers over the next 5, 10, 20 years? Oh, wow. That's a, that's a great question. So I think, um, so I think, um, I think what's really exciting for me actually is the, is in the biosciences. So um, I think that, that some of the trends that, um, that I've seen there with uh, mRNA technology, so which is obviously programmable technology and then 
you look at the you know really incredible advance and i think uh, that DeepMind made in terms of solving the protein folding problem or providing a very good solution to that i think if you combine those two ideas together what you effectively have is modular programmable biology and i think what we're going to see over the next 10 years is a really dramatic um, improvement in, in the treatments we have for people's health and what you can do with biology and biotech. So I think that that's another really exciting area, uh, if uh, you know, almost as exciting as crypto, but obviously not quite. Well, still, still interesting. And, when your uh, life is at stake, it starts to get exciting. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think it'll start to cross over, though, even on the data management side, as you said, uh, eliminating human error. There's so many different applications, and uh, NFTs are are right there in the middle of it as well. Uh, Well, Jonathan, we appreciate all the background uh, on on Fetch and everything that you're working on. It's super exciting. But but we always like to take a moment, take a step back a little bit, actually, and shift gears to get your personal perspective on a few things. Uh, We always do this with every guest that we interview. Um, it's a section we like to call edge quick hitters. There's 10 questions. We look for short, single or few word answers, but, but sometimes we like to, uh, expand a little bit and dig a little deeper. Uh, you ready for it? Uh, I'm a bit nervous, but yeah, I'll give it a try. Okay. Yeah, you can review, uh, it was Emma that came on from Fetch as well. You can review her, her session later if you, you know, if you want to have some, have camaraderie around it. We'll compare and contrast. <laughs> Very well. Let's dive in. All right. Question number one. What is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? Uh, I think it was probably some sweets. There you go. Do you have a, a, a go-to? So we have in the UK, we have these what they're called penny sweets. So they're really, they're really tiny sweet uh, in like a little paper bag. I don't know if you have them in the US. Uh, pick a mix that we call them. Oh, nice. No, you know, we talk to folks from all around the world and we get the most interesting responses on that front. Candy is usually up there, but the different types I, would amaze me. But I, I also like the gamification element to this, 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 uh, Petty Sweets company, right? <laughs> like, like they know that people want to be, they're curious what's behind door number two. And, and that probably, I wonder how that, uh, increased their candy sales. Yeah. They don't have it here in the U.S. as far as I know, but now I'm interested. Really? Uh, I'm missing, missing out. I, th- I think it's the home, of, the home of candy as well. So basically, you have all of these different jars and you get like one of each and they're all worth a penny and uh, they're great. I mean, I think it's you're missing out. They, they need to do an NFT project. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like one. All right, moving on. Question two. What's the first thing you remember ever selling in your life? God. Okay. Uh, so I, I used to, um, uh, I think, what did I ever sell? Probably a pen knife, I think, as a kid. Mm. So I was quite outdoorsy. Uh, to one of your friends that wasn't supposed to have it, or like, how did that? How did that actually play out uh, when you sold it? Did you sell it to a, another kid, or? Yeah, yeah. I think I think these days you probably wouldn't have. I think I must have only been about eight, and I had a big knife. And I think I don't think I would give my son that. But. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing what we. Uh, yeah, when you have kids, your, your perspective changes a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. Question three: What is the most recent thing you purchased? Um, recent thing I purchased. Uh, God, I don't buy anything. Uh, probably. Uh, God, I don't know. Uh, Pair of trousers, I think, probably <laughs> online. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, sometimes you need them. I mean, we do a lot of sometimes. virtual. Vir- <laughs> well, we do a lot of virtual calls now that people don't always wear their pants. But <laughs> but if your computer accidentally falls over, you really should be wearing pants. Yeah. 
You're really close on being exposed right now, Josh, actually. So, nice. Some high quality sweatpants. I'm very into those these days, definitely. Yeah. The waist those down. are about the only thing that went up uh, in sales after COVID was sweatpants. Okay, question four, the flip side. Uh, what is the most recent thing you sold? Oh, sold? Uh, God. Um, I sold... God, do I sell anything? I don't know. Uh I sold an NFT. There you go. <laughs> All right. What, what? What? Give us a little bit more detail. There. <laughs> which, which of the NFT? What did I? What was I buying? Did I buy a, a loot project one? I think I lost some money on the loot project one. Yeah, those things went up like like crazy, and then you know, like every rocket, eventually it comes down, right? Yeah, I mean it's it's a difficult difficult area to get into NFT because you see all these exciting things they go up and down. It's more even more volatile than normal tokens, crypto tokens. Do we need to connect you with uh with the guests that we have? We haven't aired the episode yet, but DeFi trends, right? That'd yeah. be an interesting connection to make. That, oh, they, yeah. That's, but, a, that's but, a secret weapon. But for ultimately, sure. I mean, Jonathan, you you just experienced the pain that your uh your new AI exactly. bot that you're creating um that that Edge of NFT will test out on your behalf is going to solve. Off, that's so. right yeah yeah well to be honest i did think to myself immediately after that i thought i should have run the algorithm first <laughs> <laughs> right 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 the ultimate answer is i don't buy and sell nfts my robot does it for me <laughs> <laughs> it's coming guys okay question five what is your most prized possession oh uh oh god probably my mountain bike i would say yeah nice, nice. emma said bike too I yeah. remember. Yeah. Did she? Yeah. <laughs> yes. he, Ethan remembers all this stuff. I don't, I don't know how he does it. He goes back. Well, man. Yeah, we're both great. in Cambridge, so there's a lot. It's a big bike city, so there you go. But, oh. I mean, there aren't many mountains in Cambridge, so I live a bit further away from Cambridge where we have some hills. But I definitely like proper mountains for, for bikes, to be honest. Right on. Very cool. Okay, question number six. If you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical, service, and experience that's currently for sale, what would that be? Oh, I've got to say a trip to space, hasn't it? It's got to be something like that. If that's purchasable, I don't know which kind of rocket. I think I think Musk's rockets are a bit cooler than Bezos's, so I'd, I'd definitely go for one of those. That's been a common response lately. I think that the space posse is growing. If you went to the Dreamverse party, <laughs> if you went to the uh, party in New York where Alesso uh, DJed, uh, you would have had a chance to uh, get one of his NFTs, one ones sent you to space. So, um, you know, maybe there'll be more opportunities like that in the near future. So bottom line, it is for sale. You just got to keep your eye out. Cool. Yeah. Let's, let's shift gears a smidge. Question number seven. If you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would that be? Oh, okay. Um, uh... So I, I think it has to be something that the next generation has less of than I do. I don't know. Maybe it's a bad habit. I don't know. Probably that. I mean, my kids are so uh, clean living. Probably um, risk taking. I would say. Yeah. Okay. Right on. Um, so a risk taker. You're saying you're 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 a bit of a risk taker. More so than more so than I think the next generation. I think they they. I think maybe things are maybe they're more fearful or whatever. But I hope I hope they can also feel free to take risks as well in the in the future. Yes, sir. Okay, flip side of that, if you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would that be? Oh, uh, stubbornness, probably. <laughs> Although you need some stubbornness. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think a bad trait. Uh, yeah, no, I don't have any bad traits. 
You don't. Good job. Yeah. All right. Well, well done. The, we'll double check with your team, you know, your friends uh, on that one. No yeah. problem. Uh, Self-centeredness, maybe. Okay. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Great. Okay, question number nine. What did you do just before joining us today? Uh, I I made uh, chicken fajitas for my, my kids, actually. So there you go. Oh, nice. So it's in the evening, obviously in the evening in the UK. So uh, I, I can feel I can feel somebody's going to burst in any minute. <laughs> Great. And question 10, last one. Uh, what are you going to do next after the podcast? Uh, read my smallest son a story and uh, put him to bed. Oh, How old is he? He's six. He? Six. Well, does he have a perspective on AI yet? <laughs> um. He's super into that kind of thing. My oldest son is very into AI and and, and that kind of stuff. So he's he's um, yeah, too, he's he's a sensible version of myself. So he's he's way ahead of me on the tech side, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Go figure. That's great. And this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, we, we could uh, we could definitely uh, continue to go more and more technical with our questions. Uh, but I think we've covered a, a wide swath of subjects. We really do appreciate it. And we really want to direct everyone that's watching and folks that will be listening later on the podcast. Where can they go to really follow what you're up to, what you're doing, what's next? Uh, well, I mean, we've got a new website launching soon. Uh, please feel free to co- co- uh, follow me on Twitter. Uh, we have lots of cool and interesting developer docs, lots happening on our social media channels. Um, yeah, um, we're multi-channel. Could, uh, what is your uh, uh, Twitter handle that folks can follow that? Uh, it's uh, Jonathan6620. Okay, great. And the, we- the new website address? Uh, uh, fetch.ai that's easy okay. easy peasy well uh, I think we really do appreciate it and uh, look forward to uh, circling up with you uh, here probably in a few months to find out where you're at and, and get some more updates on uh, on how things are going outstanding yeah look forward to that maybe some some real life margaritas would be great <laughs> that would be amazing well we've got a we've got our next uh, event coming up in February uh, uh, NF LANFT.live and uh, February 22nd. So, uh, NFTLA.live. Thank right? you. Actually, we own both domains because I kept butchering the name. So, so Jeff solved that problem for, for us very quickly. But regardless, it's going to be a really great immersive experience in uh, February in LA where it's a little warmer perhaps than, than your neck of the woods. So, you're welcome to come over there. Um, and, uh, you know, excited about what's to come for you guys, uh, in 2022. I think there's so many interesting applications for AI with blockchain, DeFi, NFTs, and this isn't a topic that, that gets covered enough. Um, so, uh, I enjoyed going, going deep down the rabbit hole with you and it, hopefully it, it sort of got a lot of folks thinking about how they could plug in AI into what they're already doing. Oh, Sunday. Yeah. Thanks for the great questions, guys. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Cheers. Bye-bye. Okay. I think we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. So thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on this starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to iTunes right now, rate us, and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. And remember, we always invite you to co-create and build with us at Edge of NFT. We're unlocking a whole new way to connect and collaborate with us through our own NFT drop, Living Tree NFTs. 
Through this project, we'll be planting tens of thousands of real trees. This collection is not only a beautiful generative art piece, but will also be the foundation of everything we do with Edge of NFT in our community for years to come. On top of that, Living Tree holders like you will co-create and participate in our podcast and access exclusive events and killer contests. You'll be frontline for other NFT drops, as well as a long, bright future of branching opportunities to come. Get on the whitelist by dropping us a line at contact at edgeofnft.com or tweeted us at edgeofnft, and we'll share with you the steps required to get in the mix. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today.